temptation is always subtle and deceptive, and giving in to temptation always brings consequences. This message is the fifth in the series, I Will Overcome. The message is entitled, Keep Your Guard. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. I want to continue the series entitled, I Will Overcome. And I have good news for you. Look at your handout. Everybody have your handout with you in front of you? The good news is I'm only going to cover two of those points tonight. So we, 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 I began to study today and looked at all the, the stuff that I had there. And I realized, you know what? This is way too much for us to try to cover in one bite. And so sometimes you just need to savor some things a little bit more. And so I'm only going to cover two points for you tonight. And so uh, you don't even have to turn to the back side of your handout tonight. Isn't that good? Uh, we're going to cover it all on the front page. We're talking about keeping your guard. When Jesus brought you into his kingdom, as we've talked about in this series, he did so so that you could have a life that is rich and full. In fact, Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, the thief, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I want you to experience a more abundant life. He offers that to us, but we have to choose to cooperate with Him. There are things that we have to do to actually receive that abundant life in Christ. We make the right decisions. And one of those decisions is to overcome, to overcome things in our life that are restricting us and they're limiting us, things that perhaps are harassing your life or tormenting you in some way. Maybe there are some habits that have been around in your life for a long time. And it's time now to say, you know what, I'm going to conquer these things because I want the more life that Jesus has for me. And in the first message in this series, I talked about the children of Israel and how they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years and God wanted to take them into the promised land and how many times we as Christians will wander around in our lives for long, long times, long, long periods of time and never really get into the promises that God has for us. So it's time to be an overcomer. It's time to make the choice, I will overcome these limits, these things that have been holding me back in my life. Now, to overcome, you have to be a fighter. You can't fight, you can't overcome without fighting. You can't overcome without something to overcome. That's the whole idea of the word. Overcoming means that there's something that you actually conquered, that you gained victory over. And one of the things that you and I have to overcome is we have to learn to overcome or fight properly against something called temptation. So I'm going to take this weekend and next weekend to talk to you about some strategies when it comes to dealing with temptation in your life. Because if you don't know how to deal with temptation, you're never going to be an overcomer consistently. You may have some victories along the way, but we're talking about continually in a, in a progressive way, really being the winner, really overcoming and living the victorious Christian life. And so as I said tonight, we're going to look at two things that really are vital to being able to overcome temptation. Number one... The Bible teaches us that temptation is something that happens to everyone. Temptation is something that happens to everyone. It's really important that we understand the difference between temptation and sin. A lot of people think that they're synonymous. They're not. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is the precursor to sin, but temptation and sin are two different things. Temptation in and of itself is not sinful. There's nothing sinful about being tempted. Let me give you the definition for temptation. You may want to uh, write this down somewhere, or certainly uh, try to follow with me as I lay out the definition of temptation. Temptation is an appeal and an attempted attraction. An appeal, asking for, seeking a response, and an attempted attraction, attraction to think, do, or say something 
or anything that is inconsistent with or contrary to two things, or three things, I should say. So temptation is any time there's something that appeals to you or tries to attract you to do something contrary to, in opposition to, three things. God's word, God's will, and God's ways. That's all temptation is, is that temptation comes along and says, hey, come over here and do this. Come over here and engage in this. Come over here and say this and think this and do this. And so there's this appeal that draws us into actions or thoughts or words, deeds of life that are contrary to God's word, God's will, and God's ways. Simple way to define it. Now, when we talk about temptation not being sinful, it's important to realize that Jesus himself, when he was on earth as the Son of God, he was actually tempted. Did you know that? Jesus faced temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Notice who was leading Jesus at the time. The Holy Spirit was into the wilderness to be actually tempted by the devil. And so that word tempt there means to entice, to prove, to try, to test, uh, to do something that is contrary to the will, word, way, ways of God. And so t- Jesus faced that temptation in the wilderness. Three times he was tempted, three times he was victorious. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 reminds us again that Jesus faced temptation in his life. So temptation is not sin for, because we know that Jesus certainly never sinned. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been, notice this, tempted in every way just as we are. Read the last phrase with me. Yet he did not sin. So here's the good news. Jesus has faced every temptation that you will ever face in your life, and Jesus conquered it. There's not a single temptation that you will ever face in your life that Jesus has not already faced and conquered. So he is the one that faced it. But never, nevertheless, he did not sin. Now, why is it important to know the difference between temptation and sin? There are a number of reasons. Let me give you a primary reason for that. Because the devil is extremely tricky. And the devil will oftentimes make Christians feel miserable simply because they've been tempted. It's something called false guilt and condemnation. There's, there are things that you think and things that perhaps you're, you're, you're tempted to do. There's an appeal to do something. And you feel that in you. And... All of a sudden you feel guilty because you even felt that and the devil comes along. He's the one that attracted you into it. And then he tries to make you feel miserable for even having the thought. And what happens then is this. There's this cloud of condemnation that will settle in upon you because you think you're bad just because you were tempted. See, temptation in and of itself is not bad. Temptation is temptation. It is an appeal to do something, but it doesn't mean that you signed the check. It doesn't mean that you actually did what it was that was that you were being uh, appealed to to do or attracted to do. And so Martin Luther, going back a number of centuries ago, made this statement. He said that you cannot keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. And so I want you to think about temptation as the bird that flies over your head, and sin is when you let the bird build its nest in your hair, okay? a big difference in those two things and it's vital that we understand that there is this extreme difference so temptation is not sin and there is not a single person in this room tonight not a single believer that that is immune to temptation I'll also say it this way no matter how much you grow in your relationship with God you will never mature spiritually beyond the point of temptation that's where a lot of people get in trouble because they don't keep their guard their entire life 
They don't realize, you know what they think, they get sort of confident in their spiritual journey. The Bible says, let him who, who stands take heed lest he fall. And so it's something that you will face your entire life. So temptation is a lifelong reality. I want to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, as we look at how this temptation thing works in us and what the Bible says about it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. The actual Greek rendering there is it's based in humanity. Every human experiences it. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Isn't that a wonderful promise? But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So do you see again the difference between temptation and sin? Temptation is not sin. Temptation happens to everyone. Notice it says, no temptation is taking you except what is common to man. Everybody experiences experiences it, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What I want you to see here is this. With every temptation, there's always a door of escape. Actually, the, actually the word there where it says, or the phrase that says a way out, is where we get our concept of an exit from. When you look around this worship center, you'll see at the various doors, you see the red exit signs. Those exit signs are lit by a special power source that stays on in the case of an emergency so that if something were to happen, something were to transpire in this environment, we would know our way out. Okay. That's what an exit sign is for. And so as soon as a trouble would come along or something were to happen in this worship center and the lights were to go dim and we would have a problem here, what would we look for? We would look for a way out. The problem is in temptation, many times, instead of looking for the way out, we get settled in. We let it sit there. We let it hang around for a while. And I promise that when you let temptation hang around for any period of time, it's not going to be long before it sucks you in, as we're going to see in just a moment. So it says that there is a way out. There will always be an exit door when you're tempted. God will always provide a way out from you. Sometimes the way out is for you just to get up and run away from it. To make some choice that leads you in the opposite direction of the temptation. Notice 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of a sober mind. Make sure that you're not uh, losing your guard, that you're not kind of forgetting what's happening around you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, we've been talking about the reality of the devil. He truly is a spiritual force, an invisible dark force that works against us. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Circle that word looking on your notes. Let me talk about that word for a moment. That word looking in the original language is a word that means to plot against. That's the idea. That if you were plotting against someone, you were setting up a strategy, you're trying to get something that would actually hook someone in some way. So it's not just looking in the sense of looking around in this, this in a general sense, but it's plotting against you. So the Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking, plotting for someone to devour. That word devour means to swallow up or to drown. And that's exactly what the adversary does. When we yield to him, he swallows up our lives and drowns us with our decisions and with our sins. And then notice verse 9. Resist him standing firm in the 
faith because you know that the family believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And so again, Paul said it to us, and now Peter says to us that everybody faces this stuff. There's not a single person that doesn't face temptation. And so I want to remind you today that when temptation comes your way, you should not feel guilty about being tempted. Everybody experiences it. It's a part of life. But the difference is the choice you make in the, in the atmosphere of it, in the moment of it. Will you look for the way out? Will you resist? And will you stand firm in the faith? So it's common. It's important to know that it's common because that helps us to keep our guard against it. If you and I do not guard against it, we're going to be overtaken by it. The second thing I want to talk about this evening, this is perhaps the heart of tonight's message is that temptation always attracts, or I should say attacks, weaknesses in our lives. I'm just giving you some biblical facts about temptation. Who experiences temptation? Everybody does, okay? You feel a little bit better now? Okay. Everybody experiences it, okay? And when temptation comes to us, temptation is attracted to or attacks the weaknesses of our life. Now, we all know, as we just read from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, that the devil is the true source of temptation. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so we know that no temptation comes to us except there be, there's a darkness associated with it. There's a source of the adversary coming against us. But I will tell you this as well. Temptation cannot succeed in your life without your cooperation. It'll never succeed without you cooperating with it. The Bible is very clear that a successful attempt at temptation in your life is always the result of two things, an external spiritual attack and internal spiritual weaknesses. If you yield to temptation, it's because there's an attack coming from without, spiritual attack upon you, but also it's tapping into or attracted to some weakness inside of you. See, think about it just in the natural realm. Are there certain foods that no one could tempt you to eat? Right? Are there? For some people, I was with someone the other day that said, I hate broccoli. I mean, I could, st- I could all day just swing broccoli in front of them. I could showcase broccoli in all kind of different manners, and they would never be interested. But I show them a piece of chocolate pie, they've got a whole another problem, right? Okay. You follow what I'm saying? There are things in life that you're not attracted to, but there are other things that you are weak when it comes to, right? And everybody has different dimensions of those things in life. So do you think the devil, if you you hate broccoli, do you think the devil's going to tempt you with broccoli? Of course not. You'll never be tempted with something that is not attractive to you, okay? So the devil is subtle, okay? He has a certain evil, malicious intelligence about him to realize and he studies us and he knows what our weaknesses are and he knows what your weaknesses are and so when the attack comes it is this combination of the outside spiritual force coming to compel you to try to draw you a contrary to the will, word will or way of God but he's tapping into something that is now already in you that you that has a potential hook to draw you in that direction. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. We're going to see again this external force. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, would you circle that phrase on your notes? When the day of evil comes, what is the day of evil? The day when evil shows up in your life and tries to draw you in. 
the day when some spiritual attack comes against you. So everybody you're going to have as you go through life, days of evil, moments of evil, moments when the evil shows up just like uh, Satan did with Jesus in the wilderness. There was that day of evil that he had to withstand in the wilderness. You'll have your moments like this in your life. So therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it didn't say if the day of evil comes, it said what? When. So everybody's going to have their day. That's why we have to have the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to do what? To stand. So in the day of temptation, what you want to do is be equipped so that you can stand. Ephesians 6, 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Notice that one of the ways the devil works is there's an analogy given here uh, as though the enemy is shooting flaming arrows at you. I want you to think about your life that all day long in different ways in different environments there are invisible flaming arrows being shot your direction you hear me that as you go through it's exactly what Paul said as we go through our day we've got this these forces of darkness and they are continually shooting flaming arrows looking for a, a weakness looking for a vulnerability so that that arrow can lodge in your soul and burn a hole in your soul and lead you into sin okay. and that's why he says you need the shield of faith so this is the external thing Paul says that the, the day of evil is going to come he says that there's an enemy that is prowling around, that there's an enemy that is shooting uh, flaming arrows at us. That's the outside. Let's look at the inside. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. When tempted, not if tempted, but when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So never think that God tempts you. God doesn't do that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now read these next two verses with me. Let's all read together. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now listen to this again. Let me just read it for you. Each person is tempted. And I think this is pretty interesting. Now we need to pay attention, right? going to tell us the process when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and entice so there's now something in us that is linked to the attack outside of us then after desire is conceived it gives birth to sin and when it is full grown gives birth to death the best analogy that can be used to describe this is that sin is kind of like temptation is kind of like fishing okay that's kind of what the devil does. And I'm using the F-I-S-H-I-N-G, okay, as opposed to the, uh, the technological term, okay, fishing. In fishing, great fishermen understand the kind of fish they're fishing for and the lures that go along and the, kind, the season of the year that's necessary for a particular fish to, to be attracted to a particular lure. They, get, they study all that. They know what works at what times and they know how, to, how, how deep to place that, that lure uh, how, what kind of bait to use. They understand fish enough to know what is going to entice them. And so they throw their bait into the water and they work their magic, right? You ever watched a great fisherman work, like a fly fisherman or something of that nature? I mean, they know what they're doing. They just have this knack of really knowing what they're doing. I went uh, deep sea fishing this past summer and uh, I was, uh, after 
it was my first time probably in 30 years to go deep sea fishing. And the captain on the boat had to teach me how to fish. He actually taught me how to do the process of catching fish. And guess what? I caught a, several dolphin and some wonderful tuna this summer, okay? That's great. Yeah, it was great. It was fun, okay? Uh, notwithstanding the sickness that you experience as you go through the process. But the point is, is that there was a teaching, there was a way in which he said, you've got to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, you won't catch any fish. But if you'll do it the way I'm telling you, you'll catch some fish. And so I listened to him, followed his instructions, and indeed I caught some fish because he showed me how to set the hook, how to lay it out in the right place, how to use it, how to use the tools that were given. And so Satan comes along in your life and he throws his his fishing, but he throws his bait in your direction, okay? Now, that bait, for the fish to ever take the bait, the fish has to like what he sees, right? Are you with me here? Okay. If you don't like what you see, if the fish doesn't like it, the fish is not going to bite. Not only does the fish have to, under, have to like what he, he or she, I don't, do fish have he or she, it, okay? What it, it sees, okay? But it also has to be hungry enough that it's willing to take the bait. I mean, if it just had a great meal, you can fish all day long and the fish is not going to bite because the fish is full, okay? fish is satisfied, so the fish is not going to be interested in the bait. But once the bait is there and the fish is hungry and the, and, the, and the bite happens, then what does the fisherman know how to do? Set the... No, you got to set the hook first, okay? Because you don't set the hook... The fish will get off the hook and realize, oh my goodness, I bit into something I should never have bitten into. But if the, if the fisherman knows what he's doing and there's the right cooperation on the part of the fish, then the hook is set, it's brought into the boat, and what's the end result? Death. Your table. Okay. And so James says, that's kind of how, how temptation works. The devil comes along and he throws something your way. And you see it and you think, wow, that looks pretty good. In fact, it looks real good. I'm hungry. And before long, you start nibbling around the edges, and then you say, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then you bite in. He sets his hook. And then the result of sin is dead. Listen to it again here one more time, because I'm going to bring some points to you that really builds upon this foundation. But each person is tempted. This is verse 14. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. I mean, you know, that's the hunger in the fish, Right? Are you with me here? Okay. Then after desire has conceived, as they, they bite, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, gives birth to death. And so temptation leading to sin is the combination of the outside force coming against you based, based upon and responding to an inside dimension of your own life, a weakness in you. So no one ever yields to a general temptation. People yield to strategic, personal temptations, okay? You yield to something that you're vulnerable to. So I'm going to take the last part of my message today. I'm going to talk to you about five things that will make you vulnerable to temptation. These are not on your notes, okay? This is the part of the message. If you've got an extra piece of paper or your bulletin or whatever it might be, you might want to take these five things down. This is, uh, I, I divided up my message into two parts, and so I added this little part into tonight's message. If you don't get it, just get the recording and you can get it all. But let me just give you these five things that will make you vulnerable to temptation. They're going to be on the screen. Number one, prideful, selfish ambitions that you haven't died to. 
areas of pride and self-centeredness and what I would call unsanctified ambitions in your life make you vulnerable to the flaming arrows of the evil one. Think of what happens when your pride is offended. What happens when your pride is offended? Doesn't it set you up for all kind of responses, right? And so as long as we are living a life that is filled with arrogance or pride or selfish ambitions that we have not yet died to, then there is a, there's something in us that the devil can hook. He can hook us with our pride. He can hook us with our ambitions that we haven't given up on. And so he can hook us in ways that draw us in. That's why the Bible is so clear about teaching us that pride comes before the fall. That is, pride sets us up for all kind of miserable things in life. And so one of the things that you want to be sensitive to in your spiritual journey is to learn the process of humility. How do I gain humility in my life? How do I pursue humility? How do I live in an attitude of humility? How do I recognize pride when it's showing its ugly head in me? What does it look like in me? How does it come out in me? And what are the ambitions of my life? Have I really given all of my ambitions to God? Have I died to my will and am I living to God's will? Or am I still trying to make my life work for me? And so those are things that will make us very, very vulnerable at times to the attacks of the adversary. Number two, personal needs we haven't trusted God to supply. It makes you vulnerable to temptation. Everybody here has personal needs. And what God wants us to do with our needs is to trust Him to supply whatever need we have in life, right? Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. Notice it says, my God shall supply all your needs. How many needs? All, okay? And so that many people think that only relates to maybe financial things, but God can supply all your needs. He can supply your need for love. He can supply your need for security. He can supply your need for identity. He can supply your need for belonging. He can supply your need for anything you have in life. But you've got to trust Him for it, okay? And if you're not trusting God to supply your need, you're going to be looking to other things to meet that need, Right? And so when you're vulnerable because you're looking to other things to meet needs, the devil says, oh, I've got an opportunity. I can bring just the right person along or the right situation along that will throw that bait out there and link into that need that God hasn't been, that hasn't been uh, given to God at this point. And so there's this hook that lands in us. Any area of mistrust that we have with God or undeveloped trust in God makes us vulnerable to, temp of the, to the temptation to live life our way. Number three, the third thing pain or resentment that we haven't properly processed. These are things that make you vulnerable to temptation, okay? And vulnerable to sin. We've talked a bit about this in this series. We talked about the internal hurts that we all face in life, but this is one I want to focus in on again. Pain and resentment that you haven't properly processed. Anytime you're hurt by another person or hurt by something in life, disappointed, anytime you're angry, anytime you're resentful, you're a prime target for more temptation. Anytime you're holding on to something inside that you haven't let go of, and you're angry about it, you're resentful about it, you're upset about it, the devil preys on people. Like you've already fallen prey to one part of the temptation, but how I many you know that angry people do dumb things? Right? Okay? 
Angry people do really ridiculous things. Angry people ruin their whole lives because their anger goes from one thing to another and before long it's led to even greater sin. And the same is true with hurt people. Hurt people always hurt other people. So if you're, if you're hurt, then it's going to set you up to hurt other people and lead you into areas of sin when it comes to relationships. Resentful people are very difficult to deal with because their resentment just it creates this, this uh, aggressiveness about them or this isolation they experience. It could be one or the other or somewhere in between of those two extremes. But there's this aggressive or passive-aggressive approach to life. And before long, their relationships are damaged by it. And so again, it becomes vulnerable. A vulnerability in your life is one of those areas the devil fishes around in, okay? He plays around with you in that area. Number four, polluted experiences or habit patterns that you've never addressed. Let me talk about this one for a moment. Let me read it to you again. Polluted experiences or habit patterns that you've, you've never addressed in your life. A polluted experience or a habit pattern that you haven't addressed relates primarily to Maybe past sins in your life that you never really dealt with, that you never really come to grips with. Areas of maybe uh, moral weakness that have been a part of your life you've never owned up to and confessed and dealt with in life. For example, I'm going to use this one only because it's probably the easiest one to utilize. One of the problems with our culture today is a significant amount of, of, of just exposure to pornography. Pornography is just everywhere, okay? And unfortunately, a lot of people get trapped into that realm of pornography and they, it gets, becomes a part of their life and their world and then they try to break away from it but they never really make a clean break with it and so because of that, it always remains something the adversary can throw their way. They may, may walk away from it for a period of time but then before long, there's just something that throws them right back to where they were when they were in the midst of it. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. And that's a pollution, see? It's a pollution that gets in your spirit. See, there are vile things that can get into your mind. Amen? Are you with me here? Okay. There are vile, unclean things that can get into your memory. Okay. And those kind of things, when they get there, if you don't get it washed out and cleansed out by the blood of Jesus and you don't deal with it appropriately, then that's a fishing pond for the devil. Okay. That's where the devil can come along and fish in those old memories. He can fish in that old stuff. You say, well, how do I get rid of it? Here's the good news. We are washed by the water of the word. The good news is that right now, you're getting a fresh brainwashing tonight by the word of God, okay? Amen. In a good way, all right? Okay? And that's why you, you seek covering in the blood of Jesus. It's why you confess those sins. And that's why you set up things in your life to help you to gain conquering, uh, gain some victory over people that can help you as a part of the process. But the idea is, I'm going to walk away from this. I'm not going to leave any fishing pond of pollution for the adversary in my life. And it could be lots of other areas. Just That was just one that I think perhaps everybody in our culture today understands. But there are a lot of areas where we leave these stagnant ponds of stuff in our life that we've never really dealt with, we kind of always end up going back there, and we need to make a clean break with that, so that we say, you know what, that's not a part, I'm not, that's not me anymore, okay, I'm a new creature in Christ, not going to go back to that same old fishing pond again, I'm not going to give him opportunity, okay, make sense to everybody? Number five, another thing that you and I have to watch out for, it's a, it creates vulnerability in our life, is our personal fears that we haven't given to God. Everybody faces fear from time to time, but fear, inappropriate, ongoing, intense fear in certain areas will make you vulnerable to temptations. 
How many people have lied because they were afraid? How many people have cheated because they were afraid, right? How many of you know folks or have seen examples of people who, who, who compromised moral values because of fear? They were afraid they were never going to have another relationship. And so they compromised morality to have that relationship because of the fear of rejection. They compromised morality. Again, that happens. I'm not in any way condemning anyone. I'm saying we don't have to live that way, man. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We heard the team sing it just a few moments ago. I'm no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. Say it with me. I am no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. Now, you're about halfway there right now. Let's try it again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Now, so you begin to realize that, okay? And suddenly there's these fears begin to dissipate in your life, and the devil comes along and tries to play on fear, but it's there no longer, so he can't pull you back in by the fears that have gripped you in the past. So when you deal with these things, when you say, you know what, I'm going to get rid of the pride, the selfish ambitions in my life. I'm going to die to that stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to trust God with every need that I have, Amen. Whatever my need, I'm going to trust God with. I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure I deal with every pain that I have in my life, every resentment. I'm not going to carry anger and grudges around inside of me. I'm going to deal with the pollution in my life. I'm going to ask God to clean that garbage out. I'm making a clean break with my past. And whatever fears I've had, I'm, I'm standing up and declaring, I am not going to live any fear any longer. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Now put a little comma right there. Go chew on that for this week. Come back next weekend. I'll give you the other bite. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We're so grateful that you're speaking to us about temptation, about overcoming. Lord, we thank you that you have reminded us this evening that all of us experience it at times. And Lord, you've also taught us the importance of being able to recognize vulnerable points in our life that will help us to be strong in the face of it. So I pray you'll take this message, and I pray it'll be sealed in our hearts. I pray that we would learn something tonight that will help us to go forward in victory in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. 
I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.